I'm here. <laughs> How are you guys doing this evening? It sure is good to be here and, and to get to speak God's word, especially to my home church. Um, it's always an honor. Uh, if you would, turn your Bibles with me to the book of Romans. We're going to be in chapter 12 tonight, one of my favorites. Um, just to kind of get us going here, is, I don't know if anybody knows anybody like this, but does anybody know any here that you know anybody here or in here or anywhere really that you just talk to them and it, it really the conversation always reverts back to them and it just stays on them like all the time and you can't really get it anywhere else and it's just kind of the way the conversation ends and starts every time you talk to them. I mean, nobody knows anybody like that, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody or somebody that maybe tries to start the conversation with you, like, "Hey, how how are you? How's your kids doing?" And they, well, they're, you know, they're good. Well, anyway, about mine, and they just, you know totally cut you off like yeah i don't i don't know anybody like that but but you see um i believe the mindset that we have when we talk to others like that is uh, really the absence of grace in our lives and the the understanding of grace in our lives because really how the conversation goes when we understand grace is about how paul's about to describe this to us in a way that we think of others a lot higher than ourselves because we know where the lord's brought us from um and, and how good his grace really is Uh, Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we have many, though many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your word, for your grace, for your sovereignty. Lord, I pray tonight as we dig into your word that you would change our hearts and change our minds. Mold us to be more like Christ. God, with a a mindset that's grateful for grace. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, You know, I I don't often title my sermons, but as I was studying this and preparing this message, I I went ahead and titled it Grateful for Grace. Um, Because as I'm reading this and I'm reading what Paul's saying, I don't believe any of this is possible without grace in our lives. And not, not just any kind of grace, but God's grace, more specifically. For um, Paul starts off, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think. You see, Paul understood in talking to them that the only reason that he could talk to them, just like I am talking to you now, is by the grace of God. You see, as a Christian, things we see things a little differently, don't we? You see, I, I remember... Uh, not only coming to know Christ, but I remember years later rededicating my life, refocusing my life to Him. And I remember waking up and and the grass being just a little greener, the sky being maybe a little bluer. Not because of anything I did, but because of what Christ did in me. Uh, You see, the grace is so good and so wonderful and so great, and I'm so grateful for it 
Well, because it's part of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us all from our sins. And see, the good news is so good because of the bad news. See, the bad news is that we have absolutely nothing good in us but Christ. That's the good news. And, and the grace of Christ that flows through us is what makes that so good. And so when Paul says here, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And immediately, if you're kind of like me, I immediately thought of a few people. I should invite them. They don't, they all, no, no, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying let's, let's look at our own hearts today. Let's, let's look and see if maybe we need a little dose of humility. See, pride, pride, there's, there's no room for undue pride in the Christian life. See, it, pride means that there's something of ourselves worth something. But let me be apparently clear here that there's really not. It's all Christ and Christ within us. Now, does that, does that mean that we are, we are totally to think of ourselves in, in such a low esteem that we would be depressed or anything like that? No, no, no. We are to find our worth within Christ. And Christ commands us to do that because it's so good for us. See, if we find our worth in each other, well, I don't know about you, but I, that's not good for me. <laughs> Uh, up and down, and, and people are so fickle. We change our mind with the wind, but see, the word of the Lord lasts forever. And if we put our, our basis of worth on him, oh, then that's better than any riches or gold this world could ever offer. And so when we, when we see that and we get the, the gratefulness of grace in our lives, well, there's absolutely no room for pride because we realize where our salvation came from, which is, as Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, by grace through faith. At least no man should boast. Ah, see, it's nothing of us, but all of him. And that doesn't mean we're to run ourselves in the ground or say that we're no good at all. No, we're to say we're to brag on our Savior, not ourselves. See, I, I love the way Adrian Rogers put this. Um, a person is not to think less of themselves, but to think of themselves less. You see, we're to put others in front of ourselves in a selfless fashion. See, where else did we see that? Oh, yeah, in Christ, right? He is grace personified. When he came down fully God and fully man, he, he didn't just, you know, do as, as a God should have in the way that the Jews saw him. They thought he was going to come as this reigning king, and he came as this humble servant. Why? Because, well, he lead by example. He wanted us to see how to serve one another. And he did, he did it so much that he not only washed the disciples' feet, which physically speaking, I don't think you can get any more humble than that. But spiritually speaking, he, he died on a cross for us. People undeserving, that had no right for any of this grace. No right for salvation. And yet he did it anyway. See, if we have that mindset of grace, we can't possibly be arrogant or cocky. We can't possibly boast upon ourselves. But what we can do is boast in our Savior. Each and every day, the way we serve one another. I want the outside world to be able to look at Southside Baptist Church and go, them guys are always doing stuff for one another. But why? Well, well, I don't know. I guess they really love one another. Oh, it's, it's Christ's love in us. It's that grace, the gratefulness of grace that changes our minds to the point where we just serve one another. Why? Well, because I, I will serve you because I don't think I'm any better than you. In the same way, I love and serve my wife. It's because I don't think I'm any better than her. It's because I know I'm not any better than her. And, and uh, anybody who's ever met my wife knows that. And so I could go around and say, oh, I'm better than my wife. And everybody can get a good laugh out of that. Um, and, and, you know, I, and we're going to get into this in just a minute here, uh, a little bit further in the scriptures. But, you know, isn't it nice to, if you, if you meet a person that's kind of all about themselves and full of themselves, who wants to go up behind them and pat them on the back? Well, nobody else. They're, they're too busy with their arm bent back here doing this all the time. 
you don't want to go around bragging on them. They're doing it themselves, right? But, but see, a Christian, when we have this mindset of grace and we're just humbly serving one another and you walk up to your brother or sister in Christ and you pat them on the back and say, you did a good job today. Mm, man, that just fires me up to serve more, doesn't it? And so looking at this and looking at the mindset of grace, there is no occasion for undue pride in the Christian life. Why? Because of grace. And, and I want to quote to you Matthew twenty three twelve. Um, see, as a Christian, this is very important. This is Jesus' words here. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And I heard a pastor rephrase that for me one time. It really set with me. He said, if you as a Christian, if you're a blood-bought, believing Christian, if you're a, a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, he will discipline you like a good father. And, and see, if you do his job and exalt yourself, he will do your job and humble you. And boy, I don't know about you guys, but that has rung true several times in my life. And if you don't believe me, come look at my kids. Right? <laughs> any, any single guys or girls out there that need a little humility, get married and have kids. It's great. It's great. It's a great dose of humility. And it is a blessing. It is a blessing. But you see, we are to exalt Christ. And in that exhortation of Christ, he lifts us up. We're not to lift ourselves up, but he lifts us up. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That is serious thought. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for that. Okay, And a prime example of this is, again, my wife in my life, because I'm not that great with kids. Okay, My wife is back there teaching kids now. You can throw her in a room full of crazy kids bouncing all over the place, and somehow she can gather all their attention and get them focused on a lesson. And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, you, you throw like one kid in there with me, I'm all right. You throw two, and it's getting kind of crazy. You throw three, and they've taken over. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and in the same way, there are so many of you that do functions in the church that I am not good at, okay? Sound booth, not good at it, but I'm thankful for people who serve in it, right? I am so thankful for people who, who, who are able to, to be on security week after week and to work with the kids on Wednesday nights. My goodness, have you guys seen all those kids over there? Did you, in Revival, we had this, nearly this whole section full of kids and people, volunteers, week in and week out, teach them the word of Christ. And I'm so thankful for that. And so thankful that Jesus, and this is one of the beauties of the gospel. He takes diverse people, people from different backgrounds, different raisings, people that maybe didn't even want raised around here, different ethnic backgrounds, whether you're Native American or Caucasian. And when, when we come together under the name of the gospel, none of that even matters. And see, when we, when we humble ourselves before the Lord and we come to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ by grace through faith, then all of a sudden, he uses these gifts and abilities for his glory and his honor, and the outside world's going, wow, look at all that. Look at all that talent. And they're serving one another, and they're doing, doing these glorious things for the community. How do they do that? Well, it's by grace. See, all those talents and abilities came by grace. We don't deserve those either. We don't deserve any of them. Uh, for me to be standing up here and, and have the physical capabilities to even speak into this microphone is grace. Every breath is grace. And we have that mindset as a Christian. It changes the way we view everything. And it changes the way we treat people. We treat people with love and respect instead of isolation or 
evilness or hatred. And see, it's beautiful the way he takes diverse people and brings them all together to do all these different functions. Verse 5, so, we, so though we are many, we are one body, and individually members of one another. And I love the way he brings us together under the umbrella of unity through love and through grace. Um, it's it's, it's kind of like the Trinity, right? Our God is three in one. I heard one preacher put it like this. They are uniquely three, yet indivisibly one. And I want people to be able to look at Southside Baptist Church and say, those are all uniquely different people with different gifts and different abilities, but they are of one mind, one spirit, one body, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, just like Philippians 1 says. And, man, to be unified under that, you cannot possibly be unified without love, and you can't possibly have the love of Christ through faith without first having the grace of Christ poured out on you. See, grace changes everything. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving one another, the one who teaches in his teaching. And, and i got to ask, how many teachers we got in this room? Retired teachers. Any, oh, yeah, we got, we got several. Okay, now how many people do we have that were changed by a teacher and are thankful for teachers? Oh, we got a lot more hands. See that? See the difference a person makes when they, when they use their gifts and abilities for God's glory. And if I've got teachers in my life that I'm so thankful for. Week in and week out, they just faithfully teach God's word. And not just teachers here, but I, I had Christian teachers in public school that taught me the word of God. And I had one teacher in particular that was, he was pretty funny and comical. And, and, but he, he knew I was a believer and, and we were going over uh, history. And so he would, he would tell me, he said, Nick, now you know there's a separation between church and state. I said, yeah. He says, you know, I can't preach the Bible in here, right? Yeah. He said, but I'm a teacher. And if somebody asks me a biblical question regarding, regarding this history lesson, I can't help but teach on that lesson. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir, I do. And I just happened to bring around just about every lesson. To, well, how, the, how did that affect in biblical history? Like, where was Nebuchadnezzar during this time? Well, I'm glad you asked, Nick, and he would talk about it the rest of the time. It was great. And God used him in that situation, just like he wants to use each and every one of you. And let me, let me say this and be very clear. If you are not serving in the church, you are missing out on a huge blessing. And if you are not hooked up serving somewhere, you have missed out on grace. Let grace change your mind and change your heart. Well, I'm just not good at nothing. If you're breathing, we can find a place for you. We can find somewhere for you to serve. You just get with Damon right here afterward. He'll get you somewhere, right? We'll find somewhere because somewhere, somehow, we want you to be blessed by serving the Lord and using the gifts and abilities that come by grace for his glory, which is exactly what we were made to do. And, and so if service and serving one another and he teaches and teaching the one who exhorts an exhortation. And, and I'll be honest, when I was reading this, I was like, what does exhort mean? Like I had to Google it. <laughs> Encouragement. Man, that's what I was talking about earlier. Just somebody coming and patting you on the back. And, and, and like I said earlier, I want to be a little bit more clear with this. Now, if you are busy patting yourself on the back all the time and bragging on yourself or your kids or your grandkids all the time, nobody wants to come up to you and encourage you. I'm just saying, you're doing it all yourself. You've got this. Good job. You know, good job in encouraging yourself, right? Uh, but for you to just humbly serve one another. Well, then it's easy for somebody to walk up and pat you on the back and say, you did a good job. Man, uh, this morning my, uh, my wife comes out of church and she says, man, I had this guy stop me in the lobby and he just said, you're doing a wonderful job and I appreciate you. And it just made her day. She was uh, just 
all day long happy about that. And I said, you know, that actually has something to do with my lesson, and I think I'll use that. Man, in church, for those of you who have the gift of encouragement, because there really is a specific set of skill for encouraging, you just know the right words to say. You know the right time to put your hand around somebody. Do it. Don't hold back. When the Holy Spirit leads you to walk up to somebody and encourage them, you just encourage. Because, man, it can change somebody's day entirely. And I'm so thankful for you that encourage. The one who contributes in generosity. Now, of course, I've got to hit on this because I'm an accountant and I deal with money every day. And let me be very clear on this. Your money is not yours, Christian. It is God's money. Well, I earned that money. Well, where did you get the gifts and abilities to earn that money? My my mom and dad. Oh, yeah? Well, where'd they get it? Let's go all the way back to Adam with this argument. By grace, you have the ability and the talents to go out and earn that money. And by grace, God has allowed you to have that money. So by grace, give generously. Because it's not yours in the first place. You know, I find the mindset of giving a whole lot easier when I realize it's not even mine to begin with. Uh, When somebody's in need, I just write a check. Why? It's not because of me. Because I realize where Christ has brought me from out of this greed and selfishness, and he's constantly trying to sanctify me into being generous. And I just want to have that mindset and that gratefulness for grace that he's given me and pour it out on others. Well, church, if a church was truly generous with everything that they had, we could change the world. It all comes from a mindset of gratefulness, of grace. So the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, verse 9 is really cool. Let love be genuine. Mm. Well, let me ask you, Christian, do you think there's any way to be genuinely loving without first knowing who love is? I don't believe there is. See, I've never met a person who is genuine in their love who didn't know Christ. And I say that because Christ is love. And out of that love came the grace of Christ, came the salvation of Christ, came our faith in Christ, comes serving Christ. You see, let your love be genuine. It's easy to put on a facade and just walk up to somebody and say you love them, pat them on the back, send them on their way, but to continue loving them, to continue pouring out on them. It's kind of like the old saying that that the person who's lost a loved one, they're forgotten about after two weeks after the funeral. But you see, I've seen a church that just continually pours out on them, keeps bringing meals to them. Man, when, when Samantha and I had our second child, people from this church in our community brought us meals for two weeks straight. Man, that's genuine love. When you're not getting any sleep and you don't have to worry about dishes or cooking, that is love right there. And Christ used you guys to show us that. You see, loving on somebody can change their entire world because some people in here never really get to experience love. But through Christ, we can show them how love can be genuine because Christ never stopped loving us even when we, even when we bailed on our commitments, even when we, we fell into the sin, even when we were completely worthless. Grace came in. Grace changed that. And he completely kept loving us. Agape love. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. Hate what is evil. Now, this, is, this isn't saying hate the evildoer. Now, this is saying hate the evil. Now, I want to make that very clear because it's easy to, to go and to hate somebody who's done you wrong. And as a matter of fact, right after this, um, in verse 14, Paul would say, bless the one who persecutes you. So that's not what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying is that as a believer, as a, as a blood-bought believer, 
that is completely radically changed by the gospel, who has a mindset and a gratefulness for grace, can't possibly stand neutral in the midst of evil when it is happening. When evil happens around us, we must stand on the word of Christ. We can't stand aside. We must stand up. And one of the examples that comes to my mind is abortion. Because I can't stand abortion. And I believe it's one of the most evil things upon this generation and what's happening. And we as Christians cannot stand aside and let people without voices continually to be murdered in the womb. We must stand on the word of Christ and stand up for what we believe in. No matter how many people we offend. No matter how many people get mad at us. We're just quoting scripture here, people. That's all we're doing. We're standing on the very grace that changed us. And we can't stand for what is evil. You see, Paul goes from saying, just let the love flow through you and be genuine, but you must stand up to what is evil and hate it. That's a challenge. And we must rise to it. As a Christian changed by grace, I don't think there's an option there. And for those who have had an abortion in this room, there is grace and forgiveness at the cross for that sin as any sin I've ever committed. As any sin that anybody in this room has ever committed, the, the ground at the cross is all level. So if you've had an abortion in this room, come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Come and ask for forgiveness, just like the rest of us have for our sins that we've committed, so that we may let our love be genuine. And how do we do that? How do we let our love be genuine? How do we abhor what is evil? By this very last part of this verse, hold fast to what is good. What is good, church? This. This is good. It's always good. It will always be good. What is good in us? Christ is good in us. There's nothing good in and of ourselves. Don't seek selfish ambitions. Don't seek what you want when he says hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to Christ. That is what is good. That is what will get us through the hard times. That is what we need to hold on to in order to let our love be genuine. In order to abhor what is evil, we must hold fast to who is good, and that is Jesus. You see, he's the constant. He's the one that never changes, never worries. His love is always the same. How can we continue to pour out love when love is continually poured out to us? We must be constantly in our word. We must be constantly in prayer, which Paul's about to say in a minute, in order to show genuine love in order to hate what is evil we must hold fast to christ every day all day and if we're really believers by grace we understand that we need him daily we don't just want him daily we need him daily by every breath is grace and uh, verse 10 love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor and right here i want you if you would turn your bibles with me to colossians chapter 3 I want to turn there real quick. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 11. This is Paul again. And, uh, and, and I want to kind of show you one of the beauties of the gospel here and what, what Paul's saying, what, trying to clearly communicate exactly what he's using as an example here. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, now, relate that to what I just read. Out, uh, love one another with brotherly affection. And then we read about all these different things here. 
Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Now you see, this is one of the beauties of the gospel because we come as a diverse people, we come as a different people and, and, and under the umbrella, under the roof of Jesus Christ. There is no difference among us, but we are under one mind and one spirit. But it goes further than that. He not only says you're to get along and strive for a purpose, but I make you now family. And see, if you can't get along here on earth, what good would it do for you to go to heaven with one another, right? Because uh, you've got to get along here because you're going to be with each other for eternity. See, Christ changes the dynamic. You see, my brothers and sisters, I don't know anybody got any brothers and sisters in here. i got a few, and, and we fight all the time. No, I'm just kidding. We, we fight sometimes. But you see, the difference is when we fight, if we disagree, at the end of the day, no matter what I say, no matter what I do, they're still my brothers and sisters. Physically speaking, I cannot separate myself from them. They are my brothers and sisters. In the same way, Christ brings us all under the same umbrella and says, at the end of the day, they are your brothers and sisters. There is no separation now at all. They cannot be separated. Therefore, you must get along by loving one another with a brotherly affection. No matter how much we argue, no matter how much we disagree, if we have the mindset in the gratefulness of grace, we will, at the end of the day, make up and get over it. Because no difference is worth separating over when we come under the umbrella in the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get over it and move on. Striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. You see, the outside world would love to look into this church and watch us just split and crumble. You see, God brings us together through grace and through love. And if we have that mindset... How could we possibly let a little difference, a little argument separate us? Because we know all of those different things, Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Because Christ is all in in all. And back in Romans uh, chapter 12, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. And see, when we have a mindset of grace and we're humble toward one another and we're serving one another, it's easy to respect one another. When I realize how much you're serving me and how much I'm serving you, it's easy to respect you. It's easy to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and just open the door for one another. I don't know how many times I've been carrying two kids in the door and somebody opens the door for me. That's just what you do when you love one another and you have the mindset of grace when we're under the same family, the same umbrella of Jesus Christ. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Oh, Paul says it again. It's almost like it's important or something. Are you getting something here? Maybe we should serve one another, huh? And that mindset of grace, it's easy to serve one another. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer. Mm. That's good, church. See, I heard a pastor put it like this. A, a Christian is to have his feet on the ground, but his head's in the clouds. Uh, and this one right here, reading this and studying this. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. I have found through my personal experience that being constant in prayer really helps with the other two. As a matter of fact, I find it is a necessity to the other two. I can't possibly rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation if I am not constant in my prayer. All the time, every day, all day. And here's my personal struggle with this. And, and, um, and I got Samantha's permission to share this with you before. Uh, before I said it, but you know, I don't know about you guys, but can you let, like, you wake up of a morning, and let's say you don't get into your word, or you don't pray, and one little thing happens first thing that morning, it sets the tone for your entire day. Why would I let that happen? 
But I do wake up and, well, my kid's cranky. Bad gummit. They didn't sleep good last night. They're, I didn't sleep good last night. So now I, have, now I don't have to respect others. Now I can just be rude. Now I can just say what I want to say, do what I want to do. No, that's, that's not an excuse for a Christian. Because of grace, we don't have an excuse. Oh, a kid slept good, finally. Okay, I get to the office and I get a phone call and everything's gone wrong. I got to fix this. And I had my checklist I had to get done today. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. I got to be home by this time. Oh, I just ruined my day. Well, maybe if I started my day in prayer and in the word, it would have been a whole lot better. Because that mindset of grace, I would have woke up that day grateful for grace. In my prayer, you see, prayer is not to make God answer us or be more like us, but to make us more like Christ. And that would only help us serve one another and love one another and pour out brotherly affection on one another and and use our teaching and our service and our skills and our encouragement for one another because when we pray, we understand that it's only by grace that we can pray in the first place. You see, if it weren't for Christ dying for us in the first place, we couldn't pray to Christ. I love what Clay said Wednesday night when he was talking about worship. He said that, you know, it's such an honor and a privilege to worship Christ. As a matter of fact, we worship Christ through grace. If it wasn't for Christ dying for us and giving us grace, then we couldn't worship Him to begin with. And how true that is, church. And, and how selfish of it is, is it for me to wake up of a morning and let one little event or one little thing determine the way I treat people the rest of my week. How selfish. But if I wake up and I am constant in prayer, that doesn't happen to me. No, instead I find myself rejoicing in hope and being patient in my tribulations. I find myself loving my brothers and sisters. I find myself respecting people. I find myself pouring out love. I find myself trying to teach, trying to preach, trying, trying to pour out grace on others. Because I understand that Christ first poured it out on me. And then he says, he says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And, and right here, I want to I kind of flip back with you to the very beginning of Romans 12. And I want to read this excerpt to you that sets the tone for, whatever, for, for the whole passage that we just read. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, I truly believe that that transformed mind can only come by grace. We can only live in a manner that is so worthy of the gospel and so wanting to worship him constantly that it is transformed by grace and through faith. And and that is my question to you as as Christian this morning, or this evening, Christian, are, are, are are you changed by grace? Are you waking up daily renewed by grace? Um, you know, one of my favorite hymns is Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Uh, it's, it's such a powerful hymn, and uh, I was actually going to quote it to you, but my phone's in my jacket pocket. <laughs> but it, it, without that loving grace that changes you, how can we possibly love one another? How can we possibly pour out love constantly on one another without the grace mindset and being grateful for grace on a daily basis? And for those of you who maybe aren't believers in this room, the, the very last passage of that song asks, have you received that grace? Would you come and receive it today? 
And that is my challenge to you if you don't know Christ today. Come receive him now. What's stopping you? Come receive the grace at the cross. And by that grace and through the faith in Christ, you can be saved. I'm going to have Uncle Odd come up and, and Teresa, and we're going to have a hymn of invitation now. I challenge you. Are you living grace out daily? Are you loving one another? Are you serving one another? If you're not, it's time. Because if we truly believed where all of our talents, all of our ability, all of our money came from, we would know that that all came from grace. And by grace, we should serve one another. Would you stand as I pray? Father, I thank you so much for your loving grace. Grace that is so undeserved to us. But Father, you on that cross, send in your son. Whosoever shall believe shall be saved. And Father, I pray if there's any unsaved people in this room tonight, that they would come to know you now. Father, I pray that if there's a believer in this room that has forgotten the grace and has been hateful toward others or just not living the Christian life, Father, I challenge them tonight that they would search their heart and realize that they need to be humble before you. Father, that that grace will gladly humble them. That grace that you bestowed upon us all. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.